And I remember, I, I still remember waking up, you know, the morning of the audition and thinking, this is, I just want to go home. Like this is, I, I feel terrible. The bass feels terrible. I remember it was cold and rainy in New York that day. And I was like, ah, oh, none of the, the bow feels awful. The bass feels awful. The rosin feels awful. I feel terrible. I just want to go home. I just want to show up, hopefully not see anybody and then just, <laughs> you know, not embarrass myself and then just, you know, just go home. I just, I don't even want to be here. You are listening to Strings Attached. I'm Asaf Mose. Sometimes when I record an episode, I don't know what direction will it take or where it will lead my guests. In the last episode, my guest, Hagar Ben-Ari, a wonderful electric bass player, ended up visiting my concert in LA and we talked a lot about the bass part in a band and in an orchestra. My guest today, Brendan Kane, was a guest playing in my orchestra in Tel Aviv. And since we recorded this conversation, he became the principal bass player of the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra. I hope you would enjoy this episode as much as I do. And if you do, do subscribe and share it with your friends. Uh, hi, my name is Brendan Kane. I'm a bass player. Uh, I'm, I'm in Tel Aviv right now playing guest principal bass with the Israel Philharmonic for this week. Uh, but my... Uh, normal job is in New York with the Metropolitan Opera, and I am American. I grew up in a place called Minnesota, and I studied on the East Coast uh, in Boston and New York, and then I worked kind of in various places before moving back to New York. Uh, I had a job in Brazil. I had a job in Vancouver, Canada, and I played for several years in the New World Symphony, which is an orchestral academy in Miami Beach. And we met at the Verbier Festival um, 75 years ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we're lucky to still see each other most, well, a lot of summers, I would say. It's and, true. I mean, thanks yeah. to music, we get to see each other and play yeah, together. Absolutely. Do you remember the... The time that you started playing, did you start playing the bass or did you play another instrument? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I always knew that I wanted to be a musician well before I actually started playing an instrument. But I knew for some reason, I just knew. I mean, I was, you know, watching music videos and listening. There was always, I mean, my parents always played a lot of music and I, I was always hearing music and I always just thought, yeah, I'm going to be a musician. But I didn't, but it took, but then, then a little bit later I decided, okay, um, I remember I was watching a, uh, a concert in my hometown of like a slightly older orchestra, student orchestra. And there was, um, you know, there was the bass section, but then they were playing this kind of pops, you know, I think it was a Beatles tune or something. And one of the bass players was playing electric bass for that. And I thought, well, that's what I want to do. Like, that's clearly the coolest thing in the room, you know, the electric <laughs> bass. And then I realized, like, well, oh, you could do both. It's basically the same instrument, you know. And so then I decided I was going to play the bass. And then I started taking lessons on the electric bass. And that was really all I did for, for a number of years. I, I played the, uh, the double bass in the, you know, in the string orchestra in school um, for what would be for us, I think, about age 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, something like that. But I never like took lessons, so it wasn't so serious. Um, but I was playing a lot of electric bass and had a lot of aspirations to just play in rock bands. And then I kind of got more into jazz and 
simultaneously kind of started studying with a classical bass teacher in the Minnesota Orchestra, which is a great orchestra in America. And then that kind of, then the next several years before I went to conservatory were spent with pretty intensive um, practicing of classical music and still doing a lot of jazz, but mostly, most of my my practice time was focused on classical music. And then I went to a conservatory in Boston and then from then on, it's basically been mostly classical music. But do you remember a specific moment or a specific time when you thought to yourself, okay, this is what I like, this is what I want to do as a professional musician? You know, it's funny. I can't remember like a... I, I mean, I've had so many moments like that where I've thought like, well, this is just what I'm going to do. But I can't really remember an actual moment where I decided it, it was just, it was always there in a weird way. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't remember a specific moment, but I remember, I don't know. I think maybe the best answer I can give you for something like that is I remember, you know, when you're, when you're in conservatory or you're out of school and you still don't have a job yet. And it's, it's quite a stressful period in a, in a musician's life. You know, if you're, if you're trying to get a, a position in an orchestra, of course, I would say that's the most stressful period in your life. Right. I mean, sure. I'm sure you'd agree with me. So, you know, I remember times during that period when I never doubted that that was what I wanted to do, but I, um, but you doubt whether or not you're going to be able to do it, you know, and, and if it's going to work out and, you know, 200 people show up for these auditions and it's, it seems like a miracle if you're, you know what I mean? If you're, even if you're getting chosen to play in the, in the later rounds. And so my point is during that period of my life, I do remember thinking several times, like during concerts, like, you know, I love this so much that there's no way that the universe won't let this work out for me or something. You know what I mean? Nice. I like the cosmic. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a religious man, so I don't know what that, who was saying that to me, but I remember thinking this, uh, there's just something, something bigger than me that, that is going to help in this process. In this time, where when you're still not with a job, mm -hmm. do you remember any musical piece? Doesn't have to be classical music, that maybe attracted you, that you you heard, you listened to quite often. Anything that made you, I don't want to say happy, but you know something that accompanied you. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, and I think that there's so many answers to that. <laughs> you know, like I don't know if I could. I don't know. I mean, I there's 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 like one or two moments in Beethoven's Ninth Symphony that every time I hear them, I every time I hear them, every time I play it or listen to a recording, like I just get a shock through my whole body. You know what I mean? It's one note that one of the singers sings, you know, when they come in. And and there's also one note with the, that the bass players play. Um, you know, so there's a lot of moments like that, you know, where uh, every time I hear them or play them, it, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that time. You know what I mean? I'm curious because the double bass is not a very um, easy to listen instrument. It's not a very mm -hmm. easy to learn, to study the instrument. Sure. Do you feel that the instrument is well appreciated besides, uh, outside of the orchestra? Or do you, do you have to explain which instrument you're playing every time people ask you what you're doing? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question, too, because... Uh, well, how can I think? I mean, there's a lot of different ways I could look at that. Because, for example, when I'm walking down the street, people think that it's a cello. 
And they always ask, like, which I always find that really interesting because the bass, the double bass, you know, the, I mean, uh, you know, as we know, like there's, I mean, as you and I know, but maybe not everybody, you know, the, the bass has a million names for it, you know, just let alone, I mean, bass, double bass, contra bass, upright bass, stand up bass, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. so, I mean, that alone is kind of confusing for the, the general public, but Two, it, it's interesting to me because it in pop culture, it's so much more prominently featured than uh, than really any other string instrument. Maybe maybe you know, save the violin or something. But like, but I mean, it's like you you have a you know you can have you can have a bass you know the bass that I play in jazz bands, in rock bands, in in all sorts of pop bands, in Latin music, and you know what I mean, in in everything. You know what I mean. So it's amazing to me that so few people actually don't know what it is. You know. <laughs> um, however, that being said, I do use this to my advantage when I fly because. Uh, you know, it's, it's a nightmare to fly with a bass and I mean, not all the time, but I would say a good, well, I, I mean, I have a lot of experience flying with the instrument and I would say I've never once met someone at the check-in counter that's ever checked one in before. Which is incredible because, like, I've lived in places where I've always taken the same flights. I've always used the same airlines because I knew that they would take the base, you know, and so, it's kind of incredible to me that they wouldn't have at least seen one other person or something. Or, or maybe if there's like a big audition or like a bass convention or something, then people be like, oh yeah, I saw a few of these today, you know. But the funny thing is, is that they don't know what it is. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know what to charge you. They don't know if it's allowed. I mean, I was just, in August, I just did a tour in Korea. And so I was flying from New York, JFK to Seoul, and... Uh, the management for that group took care of everything for me, and uh, I actually took a bass for them uh, to to Korea to play, which was great. I, it was a great instrument, and I was happy to borrow it. And so they they took everything, you know, they took care of everything, you know. And then I show up, and they're like, "No, it's we can't take this. It's too big," you know. <laughs> so I called the manager, and I was like, "Okay, they're telling me I can't, I can't do this, you know, I can't take it." And and so he had to find on their. I'm probably going off on a tangent here, but the, but he had to find on their website where it said you could accept the you know all musical instruments up to 160 pounds and mine was like 120 or something which is wow. heavy but it's still acceptable so they would have to take it so anyways my point is the 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 fact that they don't even know what it is i use that to my advantage a lot of the time because a lot of times i'll refer to it as like a bass cello or something which doesn't that's actually a, that's exist. That's a new name. That's good. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't exist, but they don't know that. So they just hear the word cello and they're like, "Oh yeah, there's something in here about cellos, that's fine." Because there's no there's no uh language about a bass specifically. Sure. You know what I mean? And so um anyway, I know I'm I'm going in all different directions with that question, but uh yeah, I, f I in general I feel like people don't know what it is. That astounds me because it's so. If you just pay attention, it's everywhere in culture. I mean, it, it, I mean, much more than a cello. Sure. You know, and um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but you mentioned that you travel quite a lot. You used to live in different places, mm -hmm. and then you were—I don't know if you say lucky or fortunate, or you know, you're just good—and you got into the Met Orchestra in New York, one of the best ones in in, in the states and probably in the world. And I want you to take me back to the moment of the audition. Sure. Give me the the schedule coming up to the audition 
And what did it feel like to play an audition for this orchestra? If you remember that. I remember it very clearly. And it's something that I actually, um, it's something I talk about a lot, actually, especially with students and, and people that I coach that are, that are going through that process now, because I, I remember it very clearly. And to me, that audition was really the culmination of what I would kind of call my process you know, of, of doing, I mean, it's the, it's the last like big audition I've done since then. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't so long ago. I've only been there for eight years, but, but I, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I keep a very specific, uh, practice journal and I keep a lot of notes and everything. So, I mean, I still go back and look at it, you know, when, when people ask me questions about that. So anyway, so back to your question, I, um, yeah, I mean, basically I, I had just started my job in, the Vancouver symphony in Canada. And I, so I, I won that position in, I think it was May or something of, um, 2012 or 13. And then a year later was the Met audition. So anyway, I say that because I, I got that position. We went on summer break the, that orchestra doesn't play in the summer. And then I, uh, started with them in late September. I knew that there was going to be an audition at some point in, in the Metropolitan Opera because I had studied in New York. I, had, I actually went on tour with them once as a substitute um, a few years prior, and it was always my dream job. I mean, I always, you know, uh, I, I always really fantasized about, about getting, getting a position in that orchestra. And so I started... Um, so somebody, well, I, I, I knew through colleagues and through the grapevine that, that someone had retired, um, but it takes a while in order to have to actually, you know, and, and bass is not the most pressing instrument to fill a position, you know, sure. it's, I mean, especially when you have solo wins or a concert master position or something, you know what I mean? It's like those auditions are going to take, you know, priority. So it actually took three years from uh, my predecessor to retire in order for them to, and you know, until they had the audition. So I knew that it was going to happen. I didn't know when, but it was always in the back of my mind ever since I heard he had retired. And so I started that position in the fall. And basically I kind of, I thought, okay, I, it's been a, several years. I'm hearing rumors. I bet they're going to have an audition sometime this season. I don't know when it is. So I, I got all of the previous um, repertoire lists for all the previous auditions, of which there was probably four or five going back 25 years. I got all that music, I compiled it, and basically I started um, I started practicing it, kind of going through that list every day, very slowly. Not like I wasn't like working stuff up at tempo or anything, but I was I was um, just going through it very slowly, uh, sometimes even out of tempo, just making sure that, you know, every note was told almost in a meditative kind of way, you know, just really every, like I was really deeply familiar with every single note. I have a very um, specific uh, regimen of scales, long tones, arpeggios, intervals, and kind of bowing exercises and etudes and stuff. And I was, for the first time in my life, I decided, okay, I need to be really hard on myself and do that every single day. I know that when I'm doing that, I'm in my best shape and I just can't leave anything to chance. So I know that, you know, you, you just, you know, when you want something that bad, you just take everything that you have at your disposal and try and use all of it, you know? So like, for example, that, that amount of, uh, you know, this routine that I have of scales and whatnot is basically a, 
amalgamation of all, basically everything that all of my previous teachers have had told me to do. One of them told me to do this. One of them told me to do this. One of them said, you have to do this every day. I basically, I took all of it and I just boiled it down into about, it's about an hour and 45 minute routine. And I was really strict on myself the first time in my life. And I was like, okay, man, you need to do this every single day. Like you will start every morning with this. And I basically did that starting in September until, you know, until the audition, which was ended up being, I think the first week of May. And so, uh, so I would do that every morning. And then in the afternoon I would, um, I would spend, and of course I was working, you know, I mean, I was, I was doing services, but I still would find two legitimate chunks of practice time every day, regardless of how many rehearsals or a concert or, you know, whatnot. And yeah, I would, I would say in the fall and winter before they had announced the audition, I was, I was just going through the list kind of slowly making sure I, you know, I was familiar with everything. I had fingerings for everything. I I knew that every note was in tune at a very slow tempo, um, familiar with all the articulations, getting recordings of everything, you know, multiple recordings of, of every excerpt and really, you know, listening to them a ton, you know, and just really immersing myself in everything that they could possibly throw at me once I know this is going to happen. I'm curious also to get to the, the, because I took a few auditions in my life as Mm -hmm. you did. And for me, I was ready always with, with, let's say, the physical element of playing, but the mental buildup towards this moment that you actually go on stage behind the, the screen and you have to play and you have to present yourself at your best mm-hmm. and you know, to prove that you're the best of that day against everybody else. Do you have any, any tips or any ideas of things that you do Absolutely. Uh, I think the most important thing is to practice being in that situation. You know, I mean, so what I would do is, you know, I, I've always been fortunate to be like, I've, you know, ever since I left school, I've been playing in an orchestra, you know, whether it was, um, you know, some of my previous jobs or the Academy, the new world symphony in Miami beach. And so I was always surrounded by a lot of musicians And you use those resources. So what I would do, I mean, in, I remember when I was in Vancouver preparing for this, this audition in New York, I mean, I probably made every single person in the orchestra, you know, I mean, including the personnel manager and almost the music director. He, he almost <laughs> came and listened to me once. He ended up not being able to do it. But I, I even asked him. I was, you know, I was like, you know, because you want to, you know, you want to uh, simulate that, you know, that stress and that, you know, that, uh, that scenario as much as you possibly can. And I f- feel like the, at least personally for the auditions where I've done that, where I've put myself in that, you know, stressful situation, because a lot of times, you know, it's, it's going to be quite a bit more stressful to, you know, get a bunch of colleagues that you, you know, respect and work with every day and make them judge you you know, with no screen, just sitting there and watching you. I mean, for me, that's more stressful than going in and playing at a blank wall, you know, um, which, I mean, for those of you listening that don't know, I mean, a lot of times you, you play behind a screen and the committee can't see you. you which know? is a very weird situation. We, we are used to perform to, to an audience, live right. audience, and then suddenly you play to a wall. Exactly, exactly. And so I know, I know some people don't like that and some people prefer it. And I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't even really have an opinion. I just, I, 
I've realized that the times, like I remember that that audition in Vancouver, I was so nervous. Uh, sorry, the, the audition in New York while I was preparing it in Vancouver, I was so nervous before the audition that I couldn't eat for like several days. I mean, I mean, two or three days before the audition, I remember like I had to force feed myself. You know, like you know, I would eat like a like an energy bar and like Gatorade or something. But it was like it, it my stomach was so tight that I could barely eat anything. And it was, it was awful. And I remember, I, I still remember waking up, you know, the morning of the audition and thinking, this is, I just want to go home. Like this is, I, I feel terrible. The bass feels terrible. I remember it was cold and rainy in New York that day. And I was like, ah, oh, none of the, the bow feels awful. The bass feels awful. The rosin feels awful. I feel terrible. I just want to go home. I just want to show up, hopefully not see anybody and then just, <laughs> you know, not embarrass myself and then just, you know, just go home. I just, I don't even want to be here. And then when I got to the, you know, when I got to the, the opera house and I went into the room, you know, the, the personnel manager will walk you into the room and then kind of whisper, you know, cause you know, you want to remain anonymous, you know, like, you know, he'll, he'll say like, I'll be sitting behind you. And if you have any questions very softly, you can turn around and ask me, but you know, go, the music's on the stand, go in and just play when you're ready. Once I got into the room and the door closed and the personnel manager gave me the signal, like, go ahead and play. Then the nerves kind of just went away. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous anymore, which was amazing because two seconds prior to that, like I could, you know, I felt like I was going to vomit, you know, like, <laughs> but it, um, my, my point is just, if you, if you simulate that, that type of stress as much as possible, it does pay off when you get into that situation. And then they tell you, Hey man, you won, you got the job. What does it feel like? It's kind of so shocking that you don't actually believe it. You know what I mean? It, it really like, like for me, I remember, um, you know, I remember thinking, uh, yeah, this is, I, I don't know. It's, I don't even know how to describe it. You know, it's, I mean? it's, you know, it's funny that you're saying that because I had the exact same feeling after I passed my audition here and they told me, congratulations, you got the job. And I didn't believe them until I got the actual contract right. with my name on it yeah. saying, you know, you have a job. <laughs> yeah. But now my, my question is a bit different. Um, you experienced that. Sure. You were about to vomit and then, you know, you played wonderful and you, and you got the position. It's a, it's a double question. One, do you think that auditions are the best way to find a new colleague to the orchestra? And two, is it worth practicing all your life to get a job in an orchestra? I think the audition process is, you know, kind of like democracy. It's, it's not perfect, but it's the best we have, you know. And personally, um, coming from, you know, someone that's spent the majority of his time in, in American orchestras and with the American audition system, which is quite a bit different from the European, you know, or especially like in, in England, for example, you know, where you know, you go and play maybe one round and then they give 15 people a trial, you know, and then the trial process takes two to three years and then, you know, and then they choose somebody, you know, personally, I would kind of like a combination of those two systems. You know what I mean? I think we should give a lot more trials in America. And I mean, I'm not going to judge. I, I did do a, a trial with the Philharmonia Orchestra in London and, uh, I had a great time. It's an incredible orchestra. And, was able to observe their system too. And, you know, it seems to work great for them. So 
they're happy doing that. That's great. And of course, those orchestras spend so much time touring and doing other stuff that they they really like that trial process is is very important to them. They need to see who they're about to you know essentially be married to for the rest of their life. Makes you know? sense. Yeah. Yeah. So is it worth it? Uh, yeah. I I, I think. I mean, I can say without hesitation it's worth it, but it's only worth it if you genuinely enjoy the process, you know, and, and that's something that luckily for me, um, I consider myself, I, I don't consider myself tremendously lucky that I got the, I mean, of course I consider myself lucky that I have the position that I do and, and, you know, and I consider myself very lucky that I even have a career in music, but what I really consider myself lucky is that after I got out of school, I kind of started to enjoy this process of, of taking auditions and of working, you know, because I remember when I was in, when I was in conservatory, it, it, there were, there were whole years where I just felt frustrated and I wasn't making any progress and I felt like I was getting worse and I was better the year before. And, you know, um, but after, after I got out of school and, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to, you know, to get a position or to get a job in the academy or, you know, whatnot, but basically working, um, and was away from teachers for the first time, which is also a real moment. I feel like in, in every musician's life where, you know, you have this mentor that you see probably at least once a week for, you know, I mean, violinists start much younger than bass players, but sure. you know, I mean, for me, it was, you know, from 16 until, you know, I think I left school at 24 or 25, you know, so, you know, you, you have this, you have this person that will, that will help you, you know, and then when that ends, you know, it's, there's a moment, you know, that's quite terrifying, but, uh, you realize it's all on you. And for me, that was tremendously powerful because I, I remember I, I had left New York, you know, I left all my previous teachers and I, you know, I moved to Miami to play in this Academy and I, you know, I was terrified, you know, like no one's going to tell me if I play out of tune now. And so that, but, but, you know, because of that, I took on the responsibility myself and, you know, like kind of going back to when you asked about how, how I prepared for the Met audition, it's like those ideas started to really start to percolate. And over the next couple of years, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, okay, you know, just how to prepare and how to do this. And it's like, once you, you know, for me, it, it's, there's nothing more motivating than feeling that progress. And, you know, once you start discovering that progress, then it's like, you know, you realize it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like running a marathon. It's like, well, you, you know, I'm just going to, be here doing this now for a long time, you know, or like getting on a flight to Tel Aviv, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm going to be here for 10 hours. I might as well just get comfortable. And at the end of that time, I'm going to land there. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to happen. You know, you, my point is you start to realize this will work out. You know, you just need to be patient and keep working. talking a bit about about Verbia Festival where we play quite often together and I want to give you a compliment um, it's a chamber orchestra 
So there are very few of us and usually either one or two bass players. And I feel like you are one of the only bass players I enjoy playing so much with. And I'm very curious to know, like many times it feels to, that playing with you is like, you know, it's the, the music is driven. It's like, I don't know if driven is the right word, but it's, it's moving, it's, it's in motion. And I'm curious to know what's your secret sauce? What's, <laughs> what's your, I mean, you were talking about, you know, growing up in, in, in jazz and, and maybe pop culture. Did you bring that? Do you bring that into with your music or? Uh, I, I mean, I really appreciate hearing that. And, you know, of course, it's always a pleasure to play with you. Yeah, I'm not and fishing here. <laughs> no, but it really, I mean, you know, it's, I'll take the opportunity when I can. It, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure. And, uh, and for, those, for those listening that don't know, you know, in this chamber extra, you know, Asaf is, <laughs> is quite a legend. I mean, I mean no, I mean, you, are, you are the one that the music director says, go out and listen and yeah, that's tell because us. Because he doesn't want me to play at the same time. Yeah, come on. You know, go out and listen and, you know, and then tell us how we need to fix this. And, and I should say, when you're not able to do a certain project or something, and other people go out and listen, they're just referred to as the other Asaf, <laughs> and you're referred to as the real Asaf. So this is, you know, this... Uh, true you know, story. Yeah, 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 no, you're a legend, <laughs> accept it. Um, but I, I don't know, I mean, I really appreciate that, and that, that, that's really nice to hear, and... Um, Thank you. And coming from somebody I respect so much, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I never, I, to this day, I don't really consider myself a classical musician in a weird way. I know that I am, and I can't claim to be anything other than that. But, you know, growing up, all I listened to was jazz and rock music and funk and, you know, stuff that, you know, really uses the bass in ways that... Um, that I think everybody loves. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know anybody that, that would listen to James Brown or Sly and the Family Stone. And, and, if, you, and if you pointed out, like, listen to what the bass player is doing there, I'd be like, yeah, that is awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I've always loved the bass and I've always loved the role of the bass. And, you know, the thing, the thing that I love so much about it is how different it is, you know, from moment to moment even. I mean, it's like, I'm sure, you know, as, as you know, like, you know, in, in an orchestra, for example, you can play very much on, fr on, you know, on top of the beat and really like drive the whole ensemble. You can play right in the middle of the beat and just kind of fit in like, you know, I mean, I've been enjoying so much the, you know, the, all the, the, the principal winds here are so fantastic. And let, you know, there's so many times in the Beethoven symphony where I'm just, you know, just listening to them and I'm, I'm just accompanying them, but really I'm, I'm just listening and it's, you know, it's, it's not my time to, to dictate anything about the tempo or the character or anything. I'm just, I'm just trying to support them as much as I can and just enjoy what they're doing. And hopefully they, they enjoy how I'm doing that, you know, and then there's other times when you want to stay really on the back end of the beat, you know what I mean? Which is, you know, really common in, you know, stuff like rock and roll. And but is this something that someone can teach you Or is this an instinct? Is this your talent or your musicianship that brings these skills to the, to the stage? 
I think the most important thing you could do is just listen to as much. You know what I mean? It's just just listen. I mean, I mean that's 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 the one thing that I've always done. Like I, you know, I never thought I was particularly talented. I didn't start working hard until like pretty late in life compared to all of my colleagues. You know, I mean that you know started at you know at the latest like six or something. You know what I mean? It's like as a bass player, that's just hilarious. Like, <laughs> I was playing, you know basketball you know i mean it's like uh when you know you guys were at practice camps and you know stuff like that um so but the one thing that i did do during that whole time was i i mean i was i was obsessed with mtv you know as a child i mean i used to just sit i remember i remember one time the first time i realized this might be weird was when a friend of mine came over and i and you know came over to like hang out and you know i was probably i don't know 11 or 12 and uh and he he came i was like oh yeah come on in you know just sitting there watching watching mtv you know he came in and after like a half an hour he said to me you know i don't want to just sit here all day and watch mtv apparently that's all you want to do and i was like why wouldn't you want to just do that like there might be another nirvana video or pearl jam or something you know something i was really into at the time so i I always i don't know i i always loved listening and 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 I'm fascinated by the the role in which the bass can play in ensembles in in all sorts of different genres, and um and I like it when it's a little loud, <laughs> you know. Like sure. I I mean I you know some people you know I don't I mean I I like the bass to be a little bit louder in the mix. I think if anything that's maybe the secret is you know I don't know anybody that doesn't actually like that. If you look back um, at your musical life, music and musical span. Was there any moment that you got this really great advice that stuck with you, that led you or maybe moved you to, to a new direction? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I mean, there's a lot of moments like that, of course, but, sure. but the, the, I would say the most important one and the one that I've tried to pass on as much as I possibly can, um, came when I was in the Academy in, in Miami and I, uh, one of the, one of the guest conductors invited me and a few other people to dinner and we were, it was my last year in the Academy and I, I didn't have a job and, you know, and that's a scary time to be in, you know, cause you know, it's like, okay, am I going to move back in with my parents or what am I, you know what I mean? Or am I going to try and move somewhere and freelance or, you know, you, you don't know what's, you know, you don't know what's in store. And I remember him saying to me, you know, he said, he said, okay, so this is your last year. Are, are you nervous? You know, and, and I, and I said, you know, a little bit, but, but also things were going, things were going okay. And I was doing okay in auditions and I had opportunities and stuff. And so, you know, I was, I was like, yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. And, and he said, you know, the best advice I can give you is, you know, he was, he's about 10 years older than me. And he said, the best advice I can give you is just don't worry and just work, you know, because worrying takes time and energy, you know, and, and, and it takes time and energy away from valuable, productive work time. And the thing is, you know, he said, look, Brendan, I know you, I know how you play. It's going to be fine. It's going to work out. I, I can, I can tell you that, you know, but you know, it might not be, it might not be instantaneous. It might not be really easy, but, but it will work out. I mean, you'll find a way to pay your rent. You'll find, you know what I mean? It's like you, and this is what I try and tell people. I'm like, you know, if you really want to do this, you know, 
you'll figure out how to do it. You'll find a way how to do it. You know, I mean, your rent will get paid. You'll, you'll, you'll survive, uh, to get you to that next stage. You know, I like to end my, my conversations with, uh, a request for some recommendation, musical recommendation or any recommendation, a movie, you know, a book. Do you, you feel like you want to share something with the listeners? Uh, there's a book that I really, really love that I've read a number of times uh, by a guy named George Mumford, who was the uh, mindfulness meditation coach for the, the Bulls and the, uh, and the Lakers. Um, Phil Jackson brought him into work with both teams. And both of the, I mean, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant both credit him with, with a lot of their success. There's a book he wrote called The Mindful Athlete, uh, which is... Um, I would think I would think that would be helpful in any you know any discipline in life but really helpful for for musicians I would think um, it's just a yeah it's a lot of advice on kind of mindfulness and meditative you know practices and you know a lot of Bruce Lee quotes so <laughs> it's it's I mean I love it I've read it so many times and I give it to so many people as a gift and recommend it to everybody So that's, I mean, there's so many, but that's, I would say that's probably the first one that I would, yeah, George Mumford. Thank you, Brendan Kane, for this conversation and for your kind words. The bass solo you heard is from Mahler First Symphony, and it's Brendan playing it with the IPO on our latest USA tour. I hope to get your feedback on Strings Attached Podcast Facebook page or my email, asafpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Asaf Moz, and thanks for listening to Strings Attached.